0: Lane today is episode 189 and we got a little alliteration with us Landon Lewis driver in the Arkham Menards series team Hornaday development driver recent winner at Portland International Raceway he is our guest this week a very very bright future for this young man he's only 17 years old but I guarantee you if I didn't just tell you that you'd think he's 27 at least He is mature, he is well-spoken, he is wise, he's got a good head on his shoulders, a good surrounding cast that is helping him uh, ascend the NASCAR ladder. So excited to chat with Landon. He has a very accomplished record already and it's just the beginning. So looking forward to chat with him. And we have a race to recap from Sonoma Raceway as it is now the first and only off weekend for the NASCAR Cup Series. So we'll chat a little bit about that after we pay homage to the number 89. I am uh Peek Behind the Curtain, blindly throwing it again to you, Papa Seagull. What have you cooked up for us this week? I know it's a good one.
1: Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 189. Last time through the numbers, we remembered Buddy Schumann, largely because we already had spent time looking back on Buck Baker and Joe Lee Johnson. Still, Schumann's story was an interesting one as he won the first cup race held outside the US in Canada. Today we look back on the long racing career of Morgan Shepard. Most of you closer in age to Davy likely have only a vague recollection of Shepard being that start and park guy who drove a racing for Jesus car. True enough and more on that in a sec but there's more to his story. Shepard started 517 cup series races over a 29-year career dating back all the way to when Cup was known as the Grand National Series. 32 of those starts came in car number 89, which ranks top of the list for the car number. He won four times in the Cup Series and notched 15 wins in the Xfinity Series, over 33 years running in the Junior Circuit. 33 years, people! Between Cup, Xfinity, and Trucks, Shepard had more than 1,000 major series starts in NASCAR. You don't hang around the sport that long if you don't have bona fide wheelman skills. Shepard stayed competitive for a long time. He won the spring race in Atlanta when he was 51, making him the second oldest driver to win a race in the top series after handsome Harry Gantt. I think he still holds the record For oldest starter in a cup race when he was 72, and oldest starter in any of the three major series at 77, I think he had an Xfinity start then. His later years on his own in the racing for Jesus car are worth a final note. Like many of his contemporaries in the 1970s, Shepard led a wild and crazy life, carousing with the boys and the ladies and drinking way too much. After the 1975 Daytona 500, he arrived home to find out his third wife had left him. After a week of blackout drinking, Shepard says he woke up and prayed to change his life. He says his life was changed and that he was born again. Shepard's been married to his sixth wife, Cindy, since 1994 and has six kids and ten grandchildren. Grandchildren, huh? That sounds nice. Shepard revealed a couple years ago that he's battling Parkinson's disease. And we send him all our best wishes and thanks for a long and entertaining racing career. That's all for this week. Back to you, Doove.
0: Thank you, as always, Dad. And Mom for the Kachiga, of course. Uh, Number 89, good homage there. We will see who you opt for next week as we hit the 90s i'm gonna have to start thinking about who we want to get on for episode 200 maybe i'll shoot for the stars maybe i won't i don't know i guess we'll uh we'll just have to wait and see all right let's start off this episode as we always do and that is with a good old-fashioned and let's throw it straight over to my interview with landon lewis Team Day development driver, Arca Menard Series winner and competitor. I think he probably is going to safely bring home that championship this year, but time will tell and we shall see. This kid has done it all when it comes to Legends cars, right? He won the trifecta, dirt, asphalt, road course championships and did it in the same year. How the heck did that feel? How the heck did he do it? He's going to tell us also how he got hooked up with Ron Hornaday Jr., the NASCAR Hall of Famer. Austin Terrio has been a vital source in his career so far. and He's a fourth generation driver, but I found his answer interesting as to the pressures that he has experienced in his short time as a quote-unquote professional race car driver. Very, very cool chat with Landon. I was glad that I was able to chat with him and i'm very appreciative that he was able to carve out some time in his busy schedule to chat with me so i'll get out the way and let you hear the chat yourself here is landon lewis on victory lane pleasure to welcome on to the show today arca west series driver team hornaday development driver redneck engineer landon lewis Uh, Hello, my friend. Thank you, first of all, for being a little bit more punctual than me. You can thank DC traffic and my work schedule for that. Second of all, what's this redneck engineering you got going on? Don't show me because whatever you're doing is working.
2: I uh, just found a couple of things in the car to prop my phone up and uh, uh-huh. got it sideways like we need it. So uh, just thinking outside of the box a little bit to uh, get the camera to work. for
0: Always, always. So you were telling me you're in your car right now. You're at Trackhouse Motorplex, which everybody knows is GoPro. You got home from the summer shootout at Charlotte Motor Speedway late last night. So it's been another busy week for you, even though it's an off week for the Cup Series, Truck Series, Xfinity Series. Not an off week for Landon Lewis, huh?
2: No, sir. Uh, just trying to get better as a driver every every day. Uh, was that uh, summer shootout Monday, Tuesday, working and driver coaching and helping the kids out at the track with Joe Ryan Race Cars. Um, and then now we're at GoPro Motorplex. Uh, which is known as trackhouse now. I'm um, Going to do a little uh, endurance training. Probably go on a, a three-mile run before. Uh, so just trying to trying to stay um, as sharp as I can behind the wheel at all times.
0: So I know that you obviously, and we'll get into it. You know, you're a pro's pro in legend cars, even though you're basically a baby-faced kid right now. Um, are you? Were you racing in the summer shootout, or were you just coaching?
2: No, sir. I raced in the summer shootout last year. Uh, we ended up winning the championship in pro. Right. Uh, We won three races, so had a really good year last year. So uh, this year, just mainly shifting my focus to helping my team out um, and helping them just get better every week and uh, watching GoPro footage after when they come off the track, um, just helping them out as drivers and trying to develop them into uh, better drivers. How'd you guys do? Uh, We ended up finishing third in pro. Um, We had a couple cars getting involved in a couple wrecks. so But overall, overall, really good night. Uh, The kids learned a lot. They picked up a lot of speed in qualifying, um, from yet from Monday's practice and race. So it was overall a really good day for the whole team.
0: Well, I got a pretty good coach behind him and Landon Lewis to do it, my friend. Um, is it, is it weird for you being on the other side of it for once and not actually behind the wheel and trying to give the advice and watch it? It's, it's
2: definitely different, right? Um, you know, being on the other side, you're like, dang, I wish I could go race. Right. Cause if you're a true racer, you're, you're going to be like that. Um, but for me, I've told a lot of people, I feel like it's helped me out a lot as a driver um, because I can kind of slow down a little bit and go at, you know, someone else's pace and learn the little things about that I didn't even know, right? That they're they're learning at the same time. So it's really cool to slow down to some of the driver's pace and learn and develop them and help develop my career and, and make my career um, more sharper and better.
0: So besides racing, obviously you're doing ARCA West. You're helping with the summer shootout. You're at Trackhouse Motorplex right now. What are you up to? Like, it, I, I'm genuinely curious. As as a what, 16 year old kid, are you in school? I know you're preparing for the next few races, but what's the life of Landon Lewis look like right now?
2: Life of Landon Lewis. I'm 17 now. I live in okay. uh, Mooresville, North Carolina, with the Hornet A's. Uh, so I don't live with my parents anymore. Uh, I moved out about two. I think. Three days ago marked two years that I moved out of the house and started wow. working full time. So um, I moved up here, started working for drill Ryan Race Cars, and just I go to the shop every morning, get there about eight fifteen to to nine o'clock in that range. Um, work every work and uh, get the cars ready for the next race, and then when, when we go to the racetrack, if I'm not racing, I'm helping kids out and helping develop them like we talked about. And then when I'm not at the shop, um, typically we're here at Trackhouse Motorplex running go karts and. Endurance training, uh, just learning how to be sharper on every little inch you can get. Uh, just because these go-karts, they go like 90 mile an hour down the front stretch yeah. here. And things happen really fast. So it keeps your mind sharp, keeps you sharp as behind the wheel. So uh, during the week, just working at Joe Ryan Race Cars and just trying to learn as much as possible to um, apply it to um, when I'm racing the ARCA Series or any other series.
0: I know Joe Ryan Race Cars, that's kind of been uh, within the fabric of your development professionally and personally. And I know you've been with them for a handful of years at this point. Do you have like an official title of when you're going to work and what you're doing, or is it kind of just all around helping wherever, however you can?
1: I don't
2: think I have an official job title. I think it's just kind of wherever they need me. I just jump in and try to learn. Even if it's something I don't know what I'm doing, I ask questions and try to learn as much as possible sure. because I, I know, Obviously, Ron Hornaday is behind me, helping me out and just mentoring me. And when I met him about five years ago, he looked at me and, and said, you got to learn how to work on a race car to know what's going on behind the scene. So when you do wreck your race car, you do mess up and cause problems. You know how much effort the guys have to put to get the car to the racetrack that next weekend. So being at the shop has really helped me not only as a driver, but as a person realize how important it is and how important your crew guys are. And you're, you know, they're pretty much family to you because if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be getting to the track every week. So being at the shop and learning how much effort and and work it takes every week to get to the racetrack, it's definitely helped me, um, mature as a driver and as a, as an adult kid, adult, whatever you want to call me. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, I, I thought you were 16 You're 17. I, I shorted you a year. Um, I mean, from just talking to you for five minutes, you seem mature and wise beyond your years, and I'm sure a lot of that comes from the people you surround yourself with, your roommates, so to speak, of Ron and Cindy. You're living with the Days. We'll get to all that. But you have been in racing your entire life, Landon, obviously a fourth-generation racer. You started when you were four years old. It's fair to say, I would assume, that this is all you've ever known, right? You've been going to the racetrack since you were a baby. You've been tinkering on race cars since you were a little kid. Is this all that you wanted to do and all you knew growing up?
2: Uh, definitely. At first, I thought that was all I wanted to do was racing, racing, racing. Um, and then I kind of ventured out and I started playing a little baseball. I played a little basketball and it kind of ventured out of, of racing a little bit to to make sure that's really what I wanted to do to pursue like a dream. Right. Um, but I couldn't get away from it far enough. Um, and it just it got me right back into it. And I love every moment of it. And I'm, I'm glad it's it's a sport I chose to, to uh, pursue.
0: I find that interesting because a lot of people that have racing in their families, whether it's third, fourth, fifth generations, whatever, you know, it's their dad or their mom or their grandpa, grandma. They're like, Oh, you got to come to the racetrack. You got to race, continue the family heritage, that type of thing. It didn't seem like there was that pressure on you when you were a young kid, which I'm sure any parent would say, I want my kid to do whatever they'd like. It seemed like you had that kind of support from your family growing up.
2: Yeah. My family has just been a huge support of mine. Um, like we mentioned, two years ago, I moved up here full time. Um, but before then, uh, for two years before then, I actually, so I would go to school during the during, during the year. Summer would get out, summer break, right? Everyone's, oh, I'll go to the beach, got to do this. You know, it's summer, right? Uh, well, that wasn't the case for me. I actually ended up coming up here and living with the Days again during the summer at, what was it, 13 at the time. And I would work all during the summer and go to um, Summer Shootout, which is in Charlotte on Monday, Tuesdays. We would leave straight from charlotte drive all the way to atlanta through the night race wednesday thursdays and then drive back work on the cars friday saturday and then be at the track for 10 weeks straight so that was uh definitely a moment in my career that i won't forget um and it's definitely made me look at racing a little differently because like we talked about how much effort and work it puts into it so at 13 years old i was already working in the shop and just learning as much as possible so my my family has been really supportive of me you know all my all the miles my dad has traveled to get me where I'm at, where I'm at now yeah. um, my mom is just always behind me in everything I've done um in in anything I do so uh, i can't thank them enough my whole family for just being supportive and uh, always sticking behind me on everything i do
0: so growing up and i know that ron has been kind of an an instrumental part of your professional and personal development we'll get there in a second but you know, going to the racetrack with your dad with your family was that kind of common practice? Were you always at the racetrack, or were you doing some other things? Whether it was basketball, baseball, other stuff.
2: No, I've always been at the racetrack, uh, either with my dad or my uncles. My uncle's used to race too, uh, but I I kind of watched them growing up, and I actually used to I used to sit at the track and play with the jack and jack it up and then let it down and jack it up and let it down. So that was something that I guess would keep me occupied at the racetrack, but. I always used to sit like in turn one and just watch the cars go by and it was never like too loud for me or anything I just enjoyed it a lot um, and it was always just being at the racetrack with my parents and watch my dad race and then watch my uncles race and then eventually I got to do it and then the tables kind of turned my dad ended up getting surgery um, on his neck because of racing and just kind of turned everything over to me and was like here you go son just take it and run with it so Um, it's, my dad's just been really supportive of me and everything I've done.
0: So I, I realize this might be a bit of a cliche question and you know, you're 17 years old. I'm sure you don't feel pressure, right? But as somebody who is a fourth generation racer, you know, Ron Hornaday's in your corner, NASCAR hall of famer, big deal, right? When your dad kind of gives you the keys to the proverbial car, no pun intended here and says, all right, Landon, all you, man, did you feel any pressure? Do you feel any pressure?
2: You definitely feel pressure. If you say you don't feel pressure from that, uh, you'd be lying. Right. So, cause you know, like you mentioned, Ron Hornaday, uh, the whole Hornaday family are just amazing people. My dad turning the keys over to me and was like, here you go. But at the same time, I, I, it was a very little pressure because my dad, he's kind of the person where, you know, if you, if you want to do it, that's great, go do it. And chase as hard as you can go. Right. If you're all in, be all in, but if you're not all in, then there's no point in doing it. Um, So he he's kind of one of those guys but I mean there was definitely a little bit of pressure but it was more of just me and my dad going to the racetrack having fun and if we weren't having fun then there was no point in us doing it because if you're treated if you don't have a little fun racing then it, it's not worth doing in my opinion
0: amen brother you're you're young but you're wise I know that yeah um so we've mentioned Ron Hornaday a couple times here he obviously NASCAR Hall of Famer, he knows what the heck he's doing when it comes to being behind the wheel of a race car. I think how the story goes and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but your dad calls a friend who happens to be Ron Hornaday Jr. and the rest is history, right? Yeah, so
2: we were actually so we were coming up for a, a National Banquet that I had won in uh, go-karts and it was actually in Charlotte at the Speedway and my dad called up uh, Ron Ron's daughter, he's been texting with her, called her up and was like, hey, see so you got a modified a program. I'd like to either buy one or get involved somehow um, for my son. So they're like, yeah, come on up. We'll come to the shop. Here's the address. So I had no clue where we were going. Um, I thought we were going to, you know, national banquet to get a trophy. And uh, he was like, all right. And he's just like, I'm like, where are we going? And he's like, oh, we're going to the shop. And I'm like, OK. So I get there. And, uh, it was obviously Ron Hornaday. I walk in, he's there, uh, the whole, the whole family's there. And so sh- 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 a short story ended up buying the modified from him. uh, ended up, started racing, uh, around the Carolinas with it. And Ron come to the track one night on my second race ever and come to the track. And he said that he'd seen something in me that I, I guess I didn't see at the time. And so he ended up coming and was like, we got to get behind this kid and help him out. So started racing modified about every weekend. And then eventually Ron's daughter, Ron's daughter's daughter dates Joe Ryan, which owns a legend car team. And they're like, all right, we need to get you in this like legend car. Like it's a real deal. You'll you'll have fun and it'll be definitely experience for you. So I'm like, okay, I'll go give it a shot. So went to Concord, which is closed down now and ended up practicing, testing a little bit, end up doing really good. And so we went down to Winter Nationals in uh, Florida, which is a really big race for the US Legend Car Series, ended up winning my second race out. So ever since then, it's just kind of been, I I feel like from that day, it's just been a nonstop for me.
0: That's a lot of dots to connect, right? When you mentioned, uh, I think it was Ron's daughter's daughter or something like that. Like that's, that's a lot of synergy going on. And at the end of the day, it comes back to kind of relationships and your dad having a friendship with Ron and and that going from there, but to your point, Ron saw something in you from a really young age, younger than you are now, when he told you that, and he said, you know, I, I think that this kid may have something and he kind of took you under his wing. Did you comprehend the fact that, you know, all right, this is this is Ron freaking Hornaday right now. This is a NASCAR <laughs> Hall of Famer. Like, what does he see in me? Like, did you comprehend any of that at the time?
2: Uh, I think it was more of like, like you said, what is he, what is he seeing me? Like, I don't know what you see in me, right? Like, I'm just a, like, Twelve-year-old kid out there racing. Like, what do you see me? And it it took me a while to finally understand. I guess what he's seeing me like, you know, after him saying it multiple times. Um, but he he's just been a, an awesome aspect of my career because of the things that he's taught me along the way. Not even just not even with racing. Just mm-hmm. as a person, um, he's taught me a lot. And uh, actually, his driver at the time was Billy Workman Jr. And he has just been a huge. Um, aspect to my career too because he kind of grew up, you know he he was lived in Oregon, he moved away, come to race, the same thing I'm doing. Um so we have a similar story together. So he actually lives with me um, at Candace's house and he's just been huge in my career too.
0: I, I would expect that it's probably an insane task to articulate what Ron has meant to you in terms of your career. And obviously, it's just getting started, right? But even I see him at all these Arca West races. I saw him at Phoenix last year. I don't know if he was at Portland, but he's been at a lot of races that you have been at. And just to have that support, can you put into words what it means to have somebody like that?
2: It's It's kind of hard to put in words, honestly, because, you know, I think the best way to put it is if I'm ever in a situation where I don't know what to do, he's there. I can ask him. If I ever need help or advice for any situation I get in, he's there. I can ask him. So having him at the track is is so huge and, and big in my heart because he doesn't have to do that, right? He he He's a Hall of Famer, top 75 in NASCAR. I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to be at the racetrack helping me out, and he chooses to come to every race I'm in, at in the ARCA series and, and willing to help me out and to make me a better race car driver. So uh, it's hard to put in words, but He's um, a a great guy for sure, and I can't thank him enough.
0: And I'm sure your dad probably has a, a thing or two to say along the way as well. And I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure Ron may have a little bit more experience and a little bit more cachet on his resume, but I'm sure your dad and your mom and your your whole family blood relation is probably helping out a good bit too whenever you're at the racetrack, right?
2: Uh yeah, they are. It's mostly just my far- My parents like to stay back and let me do my thing, right? Uh, they know I'm, sur- they surrounded me around great people as Candace Horn today. She helps me just be a better person, make sure I'm looking good at the racetrack, make sure I'm doing my things during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously Ron helping me out on being as a person and as a race car driver. So they kind of really sit back and let me do my thing and let me talk with Ron or and just work, work the process. Right. Um, and, and let them do uh, their work. So they don't really get too involved just because they know that they've surrounded me around great people.
0: It's interesting, um, Austin Terrio. I think he's also somebody that's in your corner and has been helping you along the way. He's done that and continues to do so with a lot of young drivers, similar to yourself, with similar backgrounds. How valuable is he throughout this whole process for you so far? He's valuable uh,
2: because you know if it wasn't for him,
0: I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have
2: been able to make my first ARCA start. So, a fast story. Um, I was at the summer shootout and it was a Tuesday. Or no, it was a no, it was a I wasn't at the summer shoot out, sorry. I was at um the shop working on a Saturday, and he goes, Hey, got this car up in New York, we gotta go get it um because we want to make his my first arca start at the dirt race at Springfield. And so me, my dad, and Austin jumped in the truck, got the trailer, drove all the way up to Buffalo, New York, picked up a car out of pretty much of like a barn, got it back, worked on it, got it ready to go to Springfield finished seventh at Springfield. Then we went to DeCoin and ended up winning my second race ever. Yep. So he's a huge aspect to my career and it's been able to help me get started and help the whole process get going with the Arca side. So.
0: Was that the same car that you ran at Springfield that you won yes. with? Uh, yes. Wow. So you, you won your second ever Arca start. That's an accomplishment in and of itself. In a car that ran on dirt the last race, that's another accomplishment. And you went all the way up to Buffalo and got it out of a barn. It's something out of a movie.
2: Yes, <laughs> that was definitely well, probably one of the highlights of my career because, you know, we got the car, got it ready to go, ran, like I said, finished seventh at Springfield and then went to Decoy and didn't have high expectations. It was just finishing the race and learning as much as possible. Ended up qualifying the pole, leading every lap and winning the race. So uh, it, that was a huge, a huge highlight of my career just because of how much effort it took um, getting there, you know, we showed up in a truck and trailer. We didn't have a big hauler, nothing like that. So it was a really cool deal. Austin allowed me to use his pit box, his tire cart, you know, his trailer, his. Mm-hmm. So that was uh really cool. And if if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't probably be where I am or as far as I am now.
0: Did you have any laps at Springfield leading into that weekend? No, sir. I didn't think so. That makes no, it even more impressive.
2: My, that was my first time in a, in a stock car. So,
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, what? What was the adjustment period like for you? And maybe it's still ongoing from go-karts to legend cars to full-bodied Arca Menard series stock cars. Like that's not a small jump. That's that's very small and very light to pretty big and pretty heavy.
2: Yeah, you got something that you know you can see all four tires from sitting in the center of the car, right? To a stock mm-hmm. car where you sit on the left side of it, you can't uh-huh. see the right front, you can't see the right rear. I mean, you can't see really any tires. So that was probably the biggest thing was just getting used to how heavy they were. You're sitting on the left side of the car where your right side is to the wall. Um, so that was probably the biggest step, uh, of going into the, to the bigger cars, just learning how big they are, how heavy they are. Um, so that was probably the biggest thing, the learning curve of it.
0: You feel like you're still learning or you feel pretty good about it?
2: I feel like I'm I'm learning every day. There's i uh, I'm never going to be, you know, perfect. I'm learning every time I hit the track, every time mm-hmm. I step foot in one of those cars. So, definitely learning still. Um, and it's just every weekend I go to the track, I'm trying to learn something new about this, those bigger stock cars.
0: So going back for a minute, uh, not on the stock car side, but on the legends car side, you won the trifecta, which is the championship on dirt on asphalt and road courses. You won the nationals for all three of those. And Oh, by the way, throw in a North Carolina state title to boot, and you got four big old trophies and, and big old checks, I'm sure sitting on the mantle. Um, coming from somebody that is pretty inept when it comes to knowledge in terms of legends cars, I understand that the trifecta is a big deal. And I understand that if you win that often and on those stages, you're going to obviously move up when you won the trifecta, did it feel like a big deal to you? Because on the surface, for me, it certainly seems like one. It was
2: definitely a big deal going into that, that year. Um, we had really strong runs the year before that we won a dirt national title, we had a shot at winning all three of the, all, both of the other ones too. Um, it just felt, I, I think I ended up finishing second in both of those the year before that. So going into that year, I wanted to do something like that and make it really big and special. So we ended up winning uh, the dirt race and then moving on to the asphalt. We ended up winning that from, um, we qualified seventh. It was a green to checkered race. I drove from second, caught the leader from a straightaway back, ended up passing him coming to the checkered. So that race was really cool. And then it was like, all right, one more to go one, to go. one more to go. You know, I felt really good about going into that weekend just because it was at Charlotte on the Roval. Um, So we've had really, really good success there earlier in the year. So I knew we would really be really good. I just had to put everything together. And so we ended up winning that race. And winning that race and winning the trifecta was super, super cool to me in a moment that I won't forget my career because I'm the second driver to do it And the first driver, I guess, to do it like all the same year. So really special moment in my career. Um, And it was just a really awesome year. And I can't thank everyone enough. Like I said, Joe Ryan Race Cars uh, for giving me a fast car every weekend to go do that. Um, And all the Candace and Billy at the shop for pushing me to be the best I can. Um, It was that was definitely a really cool moment in my career.
0: Again, showing that I know nothing about Legends Car Racing. (laughs) Do you know the other person to get the trifecta? I don't know.
2: Yes, so Carson Ferguson is another person that got okay. the trifecta. Um, he got the trifecta, I think, like five years before that, and it's pretty cool because me and him were best friends, and he actually used to race for our team. So it's really oh, wow. cool uh, to share that moment with him um, and be able to do that with him.
0: Did he give you? A, did he give you some crap for uh, having you join the list with him, or was he cool about uh, it? it he,
2: he definitely gave me a little nudge, but it was. He said it was pretty cool to be able to share that moment and share that. You know just me and him as being the only drivers to be able to do that was pretty cool.
0: Was it, and is it difficult for you to adapt to the different track types, track surfaces, characterization of those racetracks? Because again, it doesn't take an idiot to recognize that dirt, asphalt, and road <laughs> courses are inherently different.
2: Yes, definitely uh, took, you know, everything's different. You know, you got left to right, you got a dirt track that you're sideways, you got an oval asphalt that you got to be really smooth. So three different driving styles that you have to put in all, into one car you know it's the same car i'd actually end up winning i believe in the same car um through the whole deal so it was really cool to be able to do that like i said but like you said being able to adapt was really uh, a huge moment because to be able to adapt like that is just pretty cool and you know with the legend car series you're able to run three different surfaces like that and also Every every big guy is at that race. So to be able to win in front of that big of a stage is just awesome. And having that big of a competition there was even better.
0: You mentioned um, priding yourself on working on your own stuff. And I'm curious how much of that you still are able to do now, now that you're kind of moving up the ranks in the Arkham Menard series. Because as we know, there's a lot of guys that have worked on their own stuff all the way through up the ranks when they get to Trucks, Xfinity, or Cup. It's kind of like, all right, you're the driver now. That's your job. Focus on that. Let us do our thing. How much do you get to work on your stuff still? I get to work
2: on my stuff a lot,
0: actually. So I actually make time out of my day from my work schedule. And
2: I just, I go to the shop with the guys, typically every Monday and Tuesday, and help them get the car ready for the weekend. Ask them if they need anything. Go run errands for them and be there when we pull the car down. I I try to be involved as much as possible with that on the ARCA side because it's, it's a new learning thing for me, right? There's a lot of more suspension going on inside the car. You know, you got a lot of, a lot more, I guess, stuff going on in the front end of the car than you would a legend car. So mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is just learning how everything's working in all four corners of the car. So big help to Bruce cook. And, and he's been really huge to me too, because he calls me, you know, all right, we're pulling the car down this day. Can you be there? And like, of course I could be there. So he's really involved in helping me, um, being that make sure I'm at the shop and just learning with the guys and just building a team bond as much as possible.
0: Well, it seems to be working pretty well considering you guys, uh, won the last race at Portland, obviously you've had a really good solid stretch of runs here with, uh, with the McGowan's and Arca West. I would assume that the feeling right now amongst yourself and the race team is pretty good. All things considered
2: pretty good for sure. Everyone is really hyped. Everyone's pumped just because we've had really good, really good, I guess, stats this year. You know we finished second four times in a row. Yeah. We finally got the win up Portland. We had really good speed at Sonoma. So we've had speed everywhere, everywhere we went, and the guys are just uh, really excited and ready to go to the next race every weekend.
0: Would it feel good to beat a uh, former Cup driver and Xfinity winner in the form of Cole Custer of Portland? You beat him on, what was it, uh, Friday, and he wins on Saturday.
2: That was an awesome moment because, you know, Cole, before the race, I was talking to him and just, you know, it was an honor to be able to race against someone like that that has that lot of experience in the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series. And he was, I knew going into that, you know, three-lap shootout that he would race me hard, but at the same time race me clean. And I had to just be on my P's and Q's and hit my marks every lap. And we were able to win the race. And then I was down in Victory Lane and we were celebrating. And he actually come into Victory Lane and told me, congratulations, thank you for racing me hard, clean. It was a, a pleasure racing for you with you. So having him come to victory lane like that was just amazing because I never thought that, you know, someone that high up would come and tell me congratulations and thank you. And thank you for racing me clean. I think the thank you for racing me clean part was probably the most special part for me.
0: I got a feeling if you don't race clean, there might be somebody in the form of Ron Hornet that might let you know about it.
2: (laughs) Yes, for sure. If I definitely dirtied him up or something, he'd he'd be like, all right, get out of the car right now. Go walk over there and apologize. Uh I mean, so he's a, definitely hard on me on, on that which he, he should be because there's a lot of drivers out there that some of them don't race the cleanest so uh, yeah. I, I try to keep the respect as much as possible with everyone I'm racing around
0: and then he'd probably tell you to go fix the car too yes Monday morning I'd be <laughs> at the shop fixing the car so first thing Monday that's right um so I know that you're running for McGowan now but you ran for Bill McAnally a few times last year in the 16 Napa car just like Ron Hornaday did um for Bill like that that's kind of a cool full circle moment right if nothing else you got the pictures to put side by side right
2: (laughs) so going into that deal you know got the call uh that they needed me to drive the car for five races and i'm like okay awesome well then i'm flying we're on we're in the air head to the first race and i i'm looking right and i'm like this is pretty cool i'm like 16 napa car ron drove the 16 napa car i'm like it's so just mind-blowing that There was, you know, everything's adding up that I'm driving the 16 where he used to drive. So it was just really cool to be able to do that. And we've had, we had really good runs in the 16 and we're able to get better as the year went on. So it was just really, really cool and a really good experience for me to be able to race with those guys.
0: So a couple more things here, but you won in your second ever start in ARCA, which we talked about, right? And you said that the expectations going in there were not necessarily to light the world on fire and, and to win right away. It was kind of just walk before you can run, run before you can jog, jog before you can sprint, right? How surprised were you really that you were able to win so quickly and so convincingly like you did?
2: I th- I was super surprised just because going into that day, you know, it was raining. I'm like, all right, track's going to be pretty good. It's going to be like, get it on, elbows up. So I'm like, this is perfect. Like right in my wheelhouse. So like, before practice, I'm like, we're gonna be pretty good today. Like, obviously, didn't expect to go win or qualify on the pole or anything. I just, I feel like we're we're gonna have a good day as a team. And then went out for qualifying, qualified on the pole, and I'm like, all right, we got good speed. I just gotta keep it up here, keep it in one piece. If I don't win, it's not a big deal. Just gotta make sure I'm learning every lap. And we end up leading every lap and winning the race over uh, Ty Gibbs and Ken Schrader. So over those two two big names is. Man. I guess a dream come true for me to be able to race against those guys. And it was uh, definitely a huge moment. And I can't I can't even grasp it still that I was able to win in my second race ever. Have you ever raced against Ron? No, I've never raced against Ron. But that would definitely be pretty
0: cool for sure. I was going to say, do you want to?
2: <laughs> yes, I definitely want to. Because uh, if, I, if I even, I felt like if I was faster than him and I moved him up the track, uh he would definitely race me hard for sure
0: oh yeah oh yeah see that that's the thing is do as I say not as I do right if you wreck somebody for the win he'd give you an ass chewing but if he did it to you he'd just be putting you in your place
2: yeah yes for (laughs) sure and he'd be like all right told you so I could still drive
0: exactly exactly (laughs) um so you mentioned you know you you live at the house I don't know if I would call you guys roommates but uh how is he as a uh landlord so to speak
2: uh, the landlord part of it's good. Uh, we have a good relationship. Candace, uh she's awesome to me. And, you know, letting me live at her house is something that I would never thought that someone would do for me to just open the doors and say, here's your room, you know, here's everything you need. Um, so having them is just really cool. And I never thought, like I said, that someone would just open the doors up for me to stay at their house and just, I guess, be in their, their privacy. You know, when you go home, it's like a a deep breath of your day and you just kind of sit down and relax and to have me there is really cool. And I am able to learn a lot uh, from those guys and having him as a landlord is definitely uh pretty, pretty tense at times,
0: I think, but uh-huh. it's, uh, everything's good. Interesting dynamic. I'm sure. Uh, all right. A, a few fun things to end here. I, I have to do the math cause I've had some really young guys on the show. Taylor gray come to mind, Jake Garcia, You actually might be number one, though. You were born in 2006. Is that right? Yes, sir. It's just disgusting to say out loud. My (laughs) God. You probably you probably get that a lot, given that you're working in an industry with some old wily vets and stuff like that. Right. I'm sure. Yeah, I get that a lot for sure. Yeah. Well, you're getting it again. That's disgusting, considering (laughs) that I'm 26 and I thought that I was young. I guess not. Um, Next order of business four dogs. Do you still have those four dogs or are they at home?
2: No, they're definitely not with me. I okay. have those at home. They they miss me at times. I go when I go home. It's pretty cool to see them. And just, I'm a very like dog person, and I like yeah. having like I have a um, a dog of my own that's actually at home. So having dogs is really cool. But they definitely don't live with me because I don't have time to keep up with dogs right now.
0: You don't have time. I don't know if you have space, and I think that uh, no. the owner days may charge you a little bit extra if you brought them around.
2: Yeah, there'd be a, a definitely an extra bill on that.
0: Yeah, I, I would think so. Uh, a little birdie tells me that you like to sing. Is this true? Yeah, I, oh. I like to
2: sing. Um, I catch myself singing a lot in front of people. And it's just, <laughs> for me, my family, uh, my dad, me and my dad just sing a lot. Like I, in the car, it's not like singing in a microphone or anything. It's just yeah, yeah. listening. I like music a lot. So listening in the car with my dad, I kind of grew up uh, singing with my dad and just kind of singing wherever. So definitely like singing a lot.
0: Karaoke guy, you big on that?
2: Yeah. it. I have to warm up to it. It takes me a minute to kind of get comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then when I get comfortable, you got to reel me back in because I'll get crazy. It out.
0: Yeah. Singing in the shower and singing in the car. They're the two private places you can do it.
2: Yep. Then I sing every bit I can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Favorite food, favorite hobbies, favorite things to do away from the racetrack or the race shop, which I feel like is not a lot of time, but give us a peek behind the curtain at the Landon Lewis away from the racetrack.
2: Favorite food? Probably just fruit in general. I like all kinds of fruit. Uh, If there's if there's watermelon in front of me and it's a whole jug of it, I'm probably going to eat all of it. Uh, (laughs) I like fruit a lot. That's probably my favorite like snack food. And then my favorite thing to do away from like the racetrack or being uh, at the racetrack is probably being in the outdoors. I like hunting. I like fishing. I like doing things in in the nature. Um, So I'd say that's probably my favorite thing away from racing just because it's so it's relaxing to me you know, it's a deep breath of fresh air um, and you just kind of relax. And then you're fresh when you go back to racing or wherever. And then um, what else, what else would be a good question for that? Like what else? Yeah, what I don't else know. Like? It's just,
0: just what else do you like to do? What's, Oh, I like,
2: I like hmm. traveling. I like traveling, but sometimes like the longer drives, it's kind of like a little boring for me. Yeah. Cause I like doing things like while we're on the drive. So, I like, oh, go, I go. like driving. I yeah. I like driving. Driving's not bad for me. I drive a lot, so I kind of have to like it, but I think that's about it on that.
0: When'd you get I'm your not, license?
2: I, I got my license uh, a year ago. So,
0: you're so young kills me. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh. We should end with a racing thing. Probably you're gotta be the championship favorite for Arca West right now. I assume that that is your goal for the rest of the year, not just to run all the laps and win as many races as you can, but to bring home the hardware at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely.
2: uh, That's obviously our goal. But right now we're just kind of going race by race um, and just kind of try to do as best we can at each race. And then at the end of the year, if we have a shot to run for the championship, we'll go for the championship. But right now it's just race by race and just trying to um, get in the flow of everything and just keep knocking out consistent finishes.
0: Got you on that. Well, Landon, it was a a pleasure to chat with you. It was great to get to know you get to meet you face to face virtually, albeit uh, in person. Best of luck down the road in the future races and endeavors. I'm sure we'll we will be chatting soon, my friend. And go enjoy yourself some watermelon and sing to your heart's content.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much. And like I said, thank you for putting me on the show. And uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. Look forward to it, man.
0: And we are back. Whew, thank you to Landon. I hope you are singing your heart out right now and eating a bowl of watermelon. <laughs> uh, and thank you as well to Taylor Kitchen of uh, Team Hornaday Development. She does some great stuff on social media as well above the yellow line. So encourage you guys to go check out Taylor's stuff after you finish listening here, of course. Let me know what you think of that chat with Landon. I found it pretty interesting, and I have to, I have to say, when I know I'm talking to younger drivers, and when I say younger, I'm not usually referring to 9 or 10 years younger than me, but... Landon's 17 years old, I've talked to a lot of younger drivers, and as we know, they're not the most talkative, they may be a little shy, they may be a little nervous, they may just not have their sea legs under them as it comes to appearing professionally, when it comes to interviews and media, stuff like that, Landon's got a doubt. Like I said, if I did not tell you that he was 17 years old, you'd probably think that he's at least in his 20s, maybe even mid-20s, like he is very, very mature, he's very with it. And I am uh, very excited to see what he does moving forward in his NASCAR career. So you can say you heard the name here first Landon Lewis. He's going to be somebody. Mark it down. Time to briefly chit chat about Sonoma Raceway. Of course, Martin Shrex Jr., he is the winner out in wine country for the fourth time in his career. He's won all of them with Toyota, he's won two of them with Joe Gibbs Racing. One with Furniture Row, I believe, and one with Michael Waltrip racing back 10 years ago in 2013. The race itself left a little bit to be desired. It was just kind of eh, right? I mean, not really a whole heck of a lot going on. Sonoma hasn't necessarily been a barn burner in the last few several years, but this race just need a little bit of something, right? And everybody's going to point to the stages and, oh, well, this is what happens when you get rid of the stage breaks, you get rid of the artificial cautions that have built-in restarts, and you get this. Well, maybe. I don't think that that's the the root of the issue here. And I don't want to you know have a cop out and say, well, it's the car. But I think it's the car, right? Like I mean, we've seen it on road courses and how it has performed or maybe how it has not performed on road courses. Actually, this is what I'll say. It's actually overperforming on road courses. The car is too good. The car was kind of designed to be a Trans Am, Australian V8 supercar, sports car type vehicle for NASCAR in terms of a stock car. So you know, instead of the back end being real flimsy, and you know, you got you got cars on their sides with two wheels on the ground, two wheels in the air, like you saw Parker Cligerman at Portland in the Xfinity Series. These cars are set to the ground. They are glued down there. They got a ton of grip. They got a ton of power. They got a ton of tire. And as Joey Logano said, you're no longer penalized for overshooting the corner. And that is a hindrance to the racing product, in my opinion. And don't just take my word for it. Take Joey's word for it. Take a lot of people that are way more educated than I am when it comes to this stuff. So, look, I don't know what the fix is. You're not going to just poof. You have a new next-gen car. It's not going to happen. NASCAR, obviously, is aware of the problem. They're trying to fix it, but it's not as easy as you might make it seem on paper. I just hope that it gets fixed eventually because, you know, Chicago, I don't know if I'm too optimistic in terms of the actual racing product for that. The Indy Road Course... I think this is going to be the last year, and it's going to go back to the Oval next year to celebrate the 25-year anniversary of that race happening. You got Watkins Glen, which hopefully will be good. And then you got the Roval, which who knows the future of that racetrack in terms of it being a road course in the future. So a lot of road course racing as it's currently constructed. The, the schedule of that being in the Cup Series. And as long as they're racing on road courses, Martin Trooks Jr., he's going to be one of the dominators. And he was again on Sunday and we have nothing to preview this weekend thank god because we have an off weekend and i have been banging the drum and shouting it from the rooftop shouting it from the rooftops for years at this point it feels like we need more time off we need shorter season shorter races shorter everything because if you have people craving your product they will then seek it out and no you will not be alienating your traditional fans by taking away A race or two or three or four or five or taking away 100 or 200 miles or kilometers or laps from insert XYZ race here. You make people crave your product, they will come and seek it out. I'm not saying that NASCAR should go the NFL model because that's kind of the model for the the have people crave your product type thing. But I do think that there is something to be said for a shorter attention span for people, not just my generation, but every generation right now everybody's on their phone. Everybody wants to do something. Everybody's got plans. Gone are the days where you can just set aside five, six hours on a Sunday afternoon and just sit on your couch and watch a race. You know, there are some people that are doing that. I'm doing it for my job, but there's not a lot of people that want to do it. You know what I mean? And I don't blame them. I don't. So I think that it's time that we really start thinking about this stuff. And I hope, I hope, hope, hope. That whenever the new TV deal signs and comes to pass, it sounds like we're going to get more races, which I'm not, 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 not a fan of. And, you know, with that, we'll probably come a longer season. But I'm holding out hope that somehow, someway, the season will be condensed, if not shortened. We have some midweek races. We have more things to do during the week instead of just waiting five, six, seven days for a race. I know, I know I may sound like an optimist, but... I think that there's a good chance it may happen if what I'm hearing in terms of the schedule increasing from 36 points races to 38. Lord help us all. um, We'll see. But I'm happy that we have an off weekend this weekend, and I hope that you enjoy the off weekend doing something that brings joy to your heart because NASCAR is not going away. It will be back just on a momentary hiatus, and I'm sure everybody in the industry is welcoming that. So please go enjoy yourself. And we will be back here next week for another episode of Victory Land. Again, episode 190 is on deck. Going to have to start brainstorming what we're going to do for the last 10 episodes before we get to 200. That's a lot of weeks. That's a lot of podcasts. And that's a lot of talking. And that's a lot of listening for you. So I appreciate you doing that. Whether or not you joined us this week, last week, a month ago, a year ago, two years ago, or at the very start, I and very appreciative of you. And I'd be even more appreciative if you have not already done so. If you leave a rating and a review, subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts, which should be available there for your consumption on all podcast platforms and players. Thanks for listening this week. Enjoy the off weekend and we'll be back next week in the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Catch you then, party people.